Hi, my name is Tommaso, your student host for the My First Year Story podcast. Here, I'll be sitting down with people who have the answers to your college questions and who can help give me advice as a University of Connecticut student by telling their own first year stories during our conversations. Today, we welcome not just one, but two guests from the School of Engineering, Nick Delaney. Yep. Yeah. Yep. And Valerie. Nick Delaney is an academic advisor for the School of Engineering, working with computer science majors and electrical engineering students. And Valerie is an undergraduate student majoring in mechanical engineering. They both have engaging stories on their experiences and journeys throughout UConn. Nick and Val, we're so glad to have you here and talk to us about your experience at UConn. Would you please introduce yourself to our listeners? Name, pronouns, hometown, and favorite time of the day. Starting with Val. Absolutely. Um, so, hi, I'm Valerie Lee. Um, I uh, use she, her, her pronouns. I'm from Simsbury, Connecticut originally, um, but I am living on campus in stores this semester. Um, and gosh, my favorite time of day. I feel like sunset is such a pretty time, but I think for getting work done, I don't know why I get like a big boost of energy around 10 p.m. for absolutely no reason. So, uh, but I'll say sunset. Yeah, that's a nice one. That's, I don't know if I can follow top, that up. Top that. That one. Like that's a good 10 p.m. Yeah, that's a good time. Right, it's tough. Uh, I'm Nick Delaney. Um, I am I actually just got promoted. Heck I didn't yeah. mean to say that before. So I'm, I was an advisor up until like Friday, but um, <laughs> I'm, uh, I'm the assistant director for student and faculty engagement in the School of Engineering now. Thank you so much. Um, and uh, I use he, him, his pronouns. My favorite time of day. Oh, man. I actually really, I'm, it's weird. I'm a very not morning person, but yeah. I love it when I'm like finally awake. Cause yeah. it's like, okay. Yeah. It's time to start it. the day. I was going to say, I'm not a morning person either. The no. early classes are really <laughs> the worst. They're getting me. Oh yeah. <laughs> so awesome. Now that we have introductions out of the way, let's dive into the episode. So sure. Nick, tell us more about your educational journey from earning your bachelor's degree to your master's and now your doctorate in educational leadership. Wow. Yes. I was going to say before this happened to like the, to everybody on the team here, great job. Because (laughs) that was like the deep dive. Um, yeah, my journey has been awesome. I started off as a pre-law major. I went to the university of Massachusetts Amherst, uh, and I was pre-law. My dad, uh, he's a judge. My brother's a lawyer. My grandfather was, I was like, yeah, I might as well. I had no aspiration. (laughs) Uh, So after undergrad, uh, I stayed in Western Mass and I stayed a little bit in Eastern Massachusetts to complete my master's degree in elementary and special education. And I was doing practicums and working in schools in in Western Mass and um, just a little bit west of Boston. And then um, came back down to Connecticut when I got my job at UConn in 2013 because I wanted to kind of move into higher ed. Um, I was, I liked the classroom, but it was, a, it was just, I wasn't, I don't know. I wasn't great at the K through 12 stuff. Sure. Just, it's a little bit of That's a, it was kind of tough. Um, so then after a few years here, I decided I really liked higher ed. Um, and I started looking at doctoral programs cause it's kind of in terms of professional session, the best sort of Path. way to do it. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and uh, I finished in May. It was long. <laughs> um, <laughs> it was fun. It was good. It was like a very good experience. I've never like researched anything. I know like that's a very like, Hey, like research this. It's a very weird concept, but when you really dive into something, it's great. You get a lot out of it. And the dissertation process was long and a little bit arduous at times, but it was definitely, it was great. It's worth it, it, right? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So you've had a lot of celebrating too. Oh yeah. A lot of celebrating. Yeah. I got engaged too. So I was like, oh my God. Yeah. There was a lot going on. I I just packed it in into one thing. So yeah, it was great. Yeah, it was great. Yeah. But that's kind of how I got here. Cool. And then can you talk more about your post-master's certificate that you completed here at UConn? And how is that different from a master's program? That's crazy. No, I'm serious. Like, <laughs> I, like that isn't really that good. About, you're like, you know more about me than I know about yeah, myself. Yeah, I was like, what? I forgot. No, yeah, so I, I did, um, when I got here, I was, uh, 
I was still applying to doctoral programs and I was like, you know what, I kind of wanted, uh, my boss at the time when I was working in fine arts, um, Dean DeLeva, she's fantastic. Yeah. She was, uh, yeah, she's, and, and is the best. I was her assistant for, for a year, um, previous couple of years uh, for, the, for the dean before her. Uh, but she, well, she's encouraging me to get other, uh, look for other jobs and, and get into more student development stuff because that's where I wanted to be. She was like, you should, you know, do something that kind of, you know, sparks, sparks your passion a little bit. And um, so I did a, a graduate certificate through NEAG um, in uh, post-secondary disability services. Um, so I had a special ed background, so I thought, you know, so let's see what it's like in higher ed. And it's, uh, it's a whole uh, division of student affairs that's... Uh, very, it's different when you do like the postmaster's work because you've already had, it's not nearly as intense. Um, it's, you know, the classes are very, uh, NEAC does a great job. It was primarily online outside of my practicum. Um, I went to, so I met some really cool contacts uh, and I was thinking about getting into the disability services route for a little while, but I chose to kind of um, continue the work with just, uh, just actually every type of student. And that was the, that's how it, advising kind of opened the door. But it was very different than like a regular degree program, but in, in a good way, very cool, very experiential learning. Yeah, and for those of for those people who are not yet ready to do doctorates, so just like postmasters is kind of like a Segway. definitely, yeah. yeah. I think it's you know there are mo- there are actual like programs like li- like residency programs. This is this was a little bit different, uh, but I would definitely recommend it's because especially a place like Niagara has it offers a lot. It's super eclectic in terms of their programming. Yeah. Uh, I'm not <laughs> this is like a total Niagara plug. I don't like, <laughs> I have some really good friends and advising staff over Niagara. They're great, uh, but in the leadership there is awesome too. They have. Uh, these, you know, post like graduate certificates that are really good. And I think it can help sort of build your resume and figure out if you're, if you want to work in higher ed or if you want to work in a di- different discipline or whatever, it's a good way to kind of get your feet wet a little yeah, bit. Yeah, for sure. And so Val, I'll direct you to you about Hi. your journey in education. Um, why did you choose UConn School of Engineering? And moreover, what made you decide on mechanical engineering? Oh, goodness. Okay, I'll keep a long story short. There's a long story. It goes, it, my journey with engineering actually starts back in seventh grade of, uh, like, my hometown, yeah. like, education. So I got, like, I feel like middle school tech ed was such a, like, basic understanding of what general engineering is. But we definitely started with that. Um, it's a lot of, like, wood shop. We did some video production. And I was like, all right, yeah, this is pretty cool. But it wasn't exactly what I wanted to do. And then I had the absolute honor of being selected for, like, a specialty engineering program that we had for our eighth graders. And once I got there, I kind of, like, got background in, like, the engineering process, the design process, you know, finding a problem, finding a solution, prototyping, all that good stuff. And I was like, okay, this, this, this more, is something this I more, like. This is better, yeah. this is better, this is good. <laughs> and then we have this program in my hometown called Girls in Engineering. So they take girls from the eighth grade class and we bring them up to the high school and they show them the entire program. It was the coolest thing ever. Yeah. I literally came home that day and I told my parents, I was like, can I talk with you guys for a second? They were like, absolutely. I was like, I want to be an engineer. I was like, this is what I want to do. And they were like, whoa, <laughs> that's a jump. <laughs> I was like, up until that point, I had wanted to do teaching. So to hear like, oh yeah, I'm actually going to go into a STEM field and it's like a super intense STEM field. They were like, all right, like, are you sure? Like right. what prompted this? And it was the best. And then I ended up getting to the high school. I took over the program uh, as the program lead for girls in engineering. So I was able to kind of help out that program and grow it a little bit more, which was the coolest ever. And I actually exhausted the curriculum for both engineering and architecture at the high school. And I was like, yeah, this is it. And by the end of my high, like by the time I was graduating high school, I was like, I'm, I know I want to do this. Right. What prompted specifically UConn, I think, was that I was really torn between, I applied to five universities and I was so blessed with the ability to pick from those five. So I was like, huh, like I'm kind of stuck here because a lot of them were really good. That's why I applied to all five of them because I was like, they're amazing programs. And then I started, you know, deep diving a little bit more. 
I think specifically the reason I chose UConn was because I was bouncing back and forth between UConn and another university. And the other university was very small, like a little bit bigger than my high school. Yeah. And also lacked the diversity that I wanted to see. Like I wanted to get introduction to different cultures and stuff. And it was really difficult because if you look at the percentages of breakdown, a lot of people who went there look exactly like me. And that's not what I wanted. I wanted to get introduction to different people, different cultures, different outlooks on life. And I wasn't going to get that with what I was getting at that other university. And then now that I'm going through the program here at UConn, it's so amazing what they do with the School of Engineering. Like, there's so many applications that I have the, the ability to get a background in prior to post-grad work or internships or anything like that. So I feel like I kind of have a leg up on people who attend different universities, right. like specifically even for engineering because they, there's so many, like we have a engineering 1166 here and the entire class is based in application and practical application of programming and stuff like that. And it's the most insane thing that I'm able to start doing like hands-on stuff so early in my undergraduate experience. And you got to scratch the itch early with the teaching stuff. Heck yeah. <laughs> Val's been, Val was, my, was in my FYE class when, two years ago. I've known her for three years now. Oh my gosh. And it was literally, I know it's so weird. I'm so old. No, no. <laughs> Wait till you hit 30 team. It's oh really God. Uh, but no, the, and then she's been my mentor in my 1800 this this uh, this year. She's been great. She's Coolest been, thing yeah, ever. It's just very natural. Like she's so good at it. So oh she's not surprised that she wanted to be a teacher. Both, you had that teaching, like you said, you had that teaching background. Yeah. Well, you wanted to go into teaching. Well, yeah. yeah. And I was able to like, with the girls in engineering, I was able to get a kind of background in helping younger students. And like, I volunteered a lot with um, like, younger girls in engineering or even students. Um, I actually taught a preschool class this summer, which was like such a fun experience. Whoa. So uh, I do want to still teach at some point, but I think engineering is kind of like a good post-grad plan for me for yeah. the time being. Make and all the money first and then no, Exactly, yeah, right? My starting salary, I'm no like, all right, don't even need to talk about it. <laughs> yeah, it's super cool though. I am really loving it. And I think specifically for mechanical engineering, what really like drew me to it was it's such a broad subset of engineering as a whole. So you can really do whatever you want with engineering. It really sets you up well to go into whatever. really whatever you want. <laughs> so getting background in so many different topics and being able to apply it. And I'm also going for a concentration in design and manufacturing. Cool. So I'm getting a specialty with my broad subset. So it's it's going to be awesome. I'm very excited for my postgrad plans. It's such a good point about engineering. I had the pleasure of working. I'm a graphic design student, so I'm in the oh, fine arts nice. school. Nice. Yeah. And I love Dean DeLeva. Oh, and she, um, we had an open house this weekend. And we started yeah. talking about the Konecki Institute. Yeah, that's yeah. right. Um, the engineering yep. and fine arts crossover mm -hmm. and it's so cool that engineering just gives you that such wide range totally. of whatever you want to do. I know. It was cool with fine arts too. The, the, there was, I mean, there was always a call for it. I, I stopped working there in 2015, I think 2016. I don't remember. Uh, but there was always that call for it because there's such, there's a yeah. huge crossover between creation between right. fine arts and engineering. It's really cool. Yeah. I used to have uh, one of my high school <clears throat> teachers was just like, I want everyone to sit down and look around the room. Just take a moment. Look at everything that's in the room, chair you're sitting in, table you're sitting at. Everything. He was like, an engineer has touched everything in this room. It's all been designed. And that was like, I don't know why, but it's such a holistic view at what engineering is. Because like, yeah, people, you know, designed it and that's the fine arts aspect. And, you know, like programmers did stuff or whatever. But it's like literally people like engineer things from scratch. Like, and everything that's in the room surrounding us was touched by an engineer. Like, yeah. I just find that so cool. And it's hard as, like, um, someone who doesn't know much about a subject but knows you have a passion for it yeah. to think, oh, am I just going to be stuck in this one lane? Right. And yeah. as you get older, you realize that collaboration is actually just, like, the best. Totally. Encouraged, you to your yeah. hands in everything. 100%. Absolutely. Yeah. So now talking more about your undergrad, as a junior... You've been on campus online, hybrid, and yep. now in person. Have your engineering classes looked 
different? The same oh, over the course of all three years? <laughs> oh, no, it's been completely different. Has it been um, hell? <laughs> <laughs> oh, yikes. See, this is such a fun question, too, because uh, my undergrad has looked so different from what I thought it was going to look like. I think a lot of, I think we can all agree. Yeah. COVID uh, changed yeah. everything. It Not was my undergrad, but literally everything else. Everything else, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so it's absolutely insane. My freshman year got cut short, so I had one semester my freshman year and then part of my second semester, and then I went home. So it was barely. Anything. barely anything of a college experience. I had in-person for first and part of second semester of my undergrad, and it was great. I loved my first semester freshman year. Like, it was the coolest experience. I loved the independence that came with college. I missed my family a whole bunch, but it was uh, it was so great. Really, I loved most of my professors, for sure. Um, you know, there's always that one or two, but right. we, don't, we don't talk we don't about those. About <laughs> Can't um, say names here. Yeah, no, I know. Okay. I'm not going to start name dropping. I'm like, <clears throat> but uh, for sure. Then we went partially online because we had, I started in person, transitioned to online. So yeah. I kind of had hybrid for those. My solely online classes were horrible. I, yeah. I'm someone who thrives on like the person to person connection and being face to face with someone and being able to ask questions in class. And, you know, like I'm that loud person who like sits front row center and asks questions constantly. So <laughs> I was like, great, I get to be a zoom square and ask questions in a chat window rather than being able to even sit front row center. Yeah. It's so hard with such like a collaborative medium. That, yes. And zoom as great as it is, and it has let me, like, last year, be able to run around and be, just pop onto a meeting or yes. host yeah. a podcast. Yep. It doesn't let you have a free-flowing discussion. Absolutely like, not. I'm in this discussion class for my DM, one of my DMD classes, and it's it's rough. Like, you say a point, and then it's just silence for, like, a couple of seconds. Yeah. It's super awkward when you're in a Zoom room, too, in comparison to a classroom. Yeah. Or even yeah. professors just, looking for feedback on stuff. They'd be like, okay, does anyone have any questions? Right. And we're like, yes, we do, but we don't feel comfortable asking so it in this medium. Yeah. yeah. Exactly. yeah. So it was, it was rough. I'll, and I'll say this. Coming back after COVID or whatever, you can see such a drastic change between what online medium and in-person medium was like. Yeah. Definitely. So, like, I am succeeding so much more in person than I was online. And it just reaffirmed even more that I was like, in person is where I need to be. Yeah, exactly. But but I think my professors this semester especially know how hard it was online and they're really making an effort to like make things better for us. Like I know for one of my classes this semester, it's uh, it's a civil engineering class and she like brings like foam demos to class and literally shows us motion of beams and stuff in front of us. And it's that visual that I was missing, like right, being able right. to see her, talk to her, like see what she's like twisting. Like it's just like the application again with engineering, which is such an app, like application based class, being able to see that gen- like that direct physical application of it in front of your own eyes is so much different than seeing it 2D on Zoom. So I love in person, yeah. but it's it's definitely been a roller coaster for my undergrad so far. Exactly, <laughs> <laughs> we're all thriving yeah. back in person. Good to have you guys in person right now. Yeah, it's absolutely. It's awesome. Um, and so now, Nick, let's talk about your background um, in advising and how has that helped with your UConn advising, especially in engineering? Yeah. So... I was an advisor, uh, I, I, I started advising in CLAS for, um, when I left fine arts. So I was in administration in fine arts. Uh, and then when I moved over into more of a student development and student facing role, uh, it was great. It was, CLAS was like a definite like big picture exposure. It's huge. Right. There's so many things that are going on there. And it's tough to, I wouldn't say tough to like get initiatives off the ground, but obviously bigger school. Um, or colleges on campus, it's 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 harder to, to more break work in. around. More, yeah, more moving parts. <laughs> a lot of people yeah, coordinate. Um, it's a, it's a machine, but it was it was very good exposure and a good experience to start. Uh, kind of moved over to engineering uh, after a couple of years there, and it was it just felt like home. The team was great. The team shout out to undergraduate programs uh, staff at SOE. Sure. Uh, they're great. Absolutely. Um, they're I mean not that CLS was awesome too, but uh, SOE was is just it was really welcoming, and the I'd say. 
more of like a diverse student body, not in terms, not just by like, you know, inherent characteristics or whatever, anything. There are just a lot of different types of students there. Yeah. And again, not like, it's it just like the, like the stylistic approach of, of how they, you know, come up with ideas or how they act in the classroom yeah. and things like that. Cause there, I think, and especially I saw it a lot in fine arts too, not as much in CLES, but again, cause it's so big and you're seeing just a small fraction of the student. Um, Fine arts is very similar to engineering where all these students are so creative and they approach the creative process so differently. Absolutely. Exactly. Like crazy differently. So it's it's really cool to see. And at the same time, it's challenging as an advisor in a good way to sort of get the student on the right path for, for their particular experience. Mm -hmm. um, so that was a, definitely like the best part of the gig because you can really, you can really kind of dive in. Do, yeah. You know what I mean? And you have your own, uh, like in CLES, you don't have your own department. There's departmental advisors for the bigger ones, you know, math, your biology, things like that. But I was working for the general, I was a generalist advisor there. You don't, you don't get it as much there. You know, you're, you're focusing on, uh, you know, like enrollment management in some cases, academic probation students and things like that. Uh, but it's really, um, it's awesome to be in engineering. And I think the background that I got in CLES and in fine arts kind of helped propel me to get there in SOE. Um, and now as in this new role, it's even cooler because I kind of get to manage students as opposed to seeing them like face to face. Well, I'm still seeing them face to face <laughs> a lot, but um, instead of seeing student facing, having like a student caseload and things like that, um, we're doing some really cool work, um, like in uh, our unit 3820 course, uh, which we're pairing our, uh, our, our, our sophomores up with uh, like a shadow slash mentee role with students who are enrolled in senior design. So as Val will attest, there's like a des design project that's a year long for engineers. Yeah. Yeah. And nobody really, it's like kinda, you know, like I said, it's approached so differently by so many different like groups and corporate sponsors. There's a lot that goes into it. So getting like that perspective early, and again, Val, I'm sure you can attest, kinda be pretty beneficial, yeah, and cool to like see. Yeah, something Absolutely. that's not like, just talked about. Right. You yeah. got your hands on it. Right, yeah. exactly. And you can even, you believe your, you know, it's uh, our associate dean was kind of calling it like, like light shadowing. It's like, hey, like this is like really, you get to you get a view of what it's like more than hearing about it or going to a design day and stuff like that. So yeah. it's, uh, it's, it's been really cool. Just I even, this is my first day on the job, but it's, I've been <laughs> seeing it over the past couple of weeks as I've been transitioning and it's been really, really cool to see. So I'm excited to really kind of dive at first on that. Yeah, no, it must be so awesome to have that sort of program because so many students are different as sophomores. Totally. And then as senior designers, oh, there's like so much learning that happens in those two years. If you compared <laughs> me to who I was as a freshman, you would not even see the same girl sitting in front of you. Right now. <laughs> Completely different person. Yeah, I feel like that's true. But because there's so many different types of students, probably is, means the pandemic has affected them differently. As an advisor, how do you think that the pandemic has affected these students? And now post-lockdown, what direction do you see college sort of going? Because it's kind of changed. Great question. I think a lot of folks pre-pandemic were kind of like, oh, that's the way that higher ed's going. And that's the way that education in general is going. When the reality is that those have been around before they've been like widely advertised and stuff like that. Yeah. So we're, I don't think that it's headed in that direction, particularly because of the experience of the pandemic, right? There were a lot of students that, like more than I thought, had a good experience during the pandemic because maybe they're a bit more introverted. Mm -hmm. Their learning style was like, hey, I know this, so I can learn it at my pace kind of. But that still exists. Right. Yeah. So you could still do it if you wanted to. It's just, it's not as available. I think they're also like, but I also want to take this one in person. Right. So, yeah. so that's a only a percentage of students. Exactly. Right. And a smaller one, right? I thought it was going to be a lot bigger after the pandemic, but from an advising perspective, it was challenging to you know, the basic stuff was really there. Oh, what courses do you take? What would you recommend? This, that, the other thing. How, who to get in touch with? Things like that, like resourceful kind of things. But at, like from an action item standpoint, it was tougher yeah. because all the resources are available to you, but they're all online. 
So I think that's the biggest thing with online programming now. Like I've, you know, I have friends that have gone through, even like their, their doctoral programs have been online. They have a lot more access to their advisor, but they don't have any access to the normal on-campus resources of like a research one university. Yeah. Right. You know what I mean? So it's like, it's kind of Rubens racing in terms of I can do this, but I'm giving up that, you know? Yeah. Exactly. So that's, yeah, exactly. So it's, it kind of, it's whatever you're sort of into, but at the end of the day, I've never seen student. I've worked in hiring for eight years now. They have never been more excited, I don't think, to be back on campus. That's what I was going to ask. Do you find yeah. students are eager now to go? Well, I was going like to say, crazy. you were talking to it, saying how every like, student is different, especially with advising and everything. Like, I know personally, like I was saying, like in-person was where I needed to be or whatever. There's mm-hmm. some people that I know in the engineering program that were like, online was so much better for me. Like, I just, you know, was able to do everything on my own time. Especially, like, I know there was, like, you would literally roll out of, I, my physics class was, like, so early in the morning, I would literally yeah. roll out of bed oh, yeah. to my desk chair and sit down and do my lecture, like, in my pajama bottoms with, like, a nice shirt on. Like, yeah. it was so funny. Well, I assume with engineering, with, like, a degree that has such high academic rigor, that yeah. some students may benefit from the ability to pace it. Yes. Themselves. That's a really sure. good point, Tomaso. And I think we, we saw that a lot, where... where in, some students with sort of, they don't have the institutional knowledge maybe. So it's like they're going along the syllabus of a course, say like, you know, intro to programming, which is basically CSE 1010. Mm-hmm. Basically every engineering student takes it in their first semester. Some of them were like, I know this language. I already know, yeah, I know yeah. Python. I know how it works. So I've did it. In other ones, it's like, oh, I took an equivalent of this, but it was in Java. It was in a totally different script or whatever. That was me. <laughs> <laughs> it was Val. Uh, but it's, so, so their perspective is now, okay, well, I'm learning this. I, I get the principles, but I don't understand the application. So it's really cool to see, oh, well, I can, some of them were, you know, write down, figured everything out themselves and others were like, oh, well, these, this environment's helping me. This virtual help is is good. This way is learning is better because I know I have the foundational knowledge. So yeah, it's such a trade-off. Definitely. There's no real one way that I think will work for one. Definitely. For universally. Trade-off is like the perfect word for it. Yeah, Yeah, absolutely. That's what it is. And so now we've heard from a vice perspective. (laughs) Just the student. I want to hear this. I can't wait from both of you. Yeah, I'm ready. (laughs) How does the School of Engineering help students be successful? both in class and future like how did they set you up I think Nick definitely touched on it with the advising point of view I was going to actually touch on that as well because I think advisors especially in your like formative like first two years of your undergrad is so important I know personally like you know, advising was like, oh, you have to go to your mandatory advising appointment. And it's just like, I loved going to mandatory advising. Yeah. I was You're like, like the only one. I'm like, <laughs> I'm like, listen, we don't need to talk about it. <laughs> but it was great. I just like, I loved going to mandatory advising because it was a chance for me to like have a set time to go and ask my questions. Yeah. So I definitely got to go. Um, I had the honor, like, like Nick was saying, SOE is like the best department. Like, I mean, obviously I'm biased because I also have no background <laughs> with anything else. So I'm like, oh my God, they're the best. But yeah. like, I honestly think I would think that regardless, like I just, everyone is so approachable. Um, I remember even back to orientation, like when I was meeting the entire staff, like, because we had like a meeting in like, like United Technologies Engineering Building, like UTEB over in campus. And I was like such a new student. I was like, what the heck is going on? Yeah, it's so daunting. It's so overwhelming, like, it's, it's, especially because it was like, it was pre-everything. Right. So I was just like very new to everything, but they were just so welcoming. So like, I think like the best way to say it is like warm. Like everyone just like yeah. seems like a friend. So going into my advising, I was able to ask the questions I wanted to ask. I was able to, you know, map out what I wanted to do. So I think definitely with that, the School of Engineering is just like the best. I think also Don't tell Dean to leave this to myself. No, I'm, <laughs> I'm sorry. I don't, jeez, man. Yeah. <laughs> Should be like, no, Nick. Yeah, False. Worst. Yeah. <laughs> but for sure. And then like academically, for sure, they're also like definitely there for you. I know especially like professors, like some people went above and beyond specifically with my engineering classes and really tried to like make it. And like I was saying, even this semester, like coming back off of COVID and everything, a lot of my professors are really trying to go the extra mile to make sure that all of us are doing well. 
So I don't know. I just I'm very biased. Like I said, I, I can't agree with you about the advising thing though, because you come in as a freshman, you're sitting in that advising meeting, and you're just like, what the hell but that's is the thing. my four <laughs> years gonna look like? Especially for graduation <laughs> requirements. Like when oh, I was like, they were like, oh yeah, you have to take these content okay, areas. I was like, what the heck is a content class. area? I was like, and they were like, oh well, it's like gen eds or whatever. And I was like, in high school, I just had electives. Yeah. Yeah, so I was right. like, I don't know what this content stuff is. And you so. just feel like it's also unmanageable. But then they're, then they're like. No, just like take it one semester at a time. Well, and gosh forbid you look at the enroll plan by my requirements thing on Husky or on the oh. student admin. You're looking at this long list of stuff where you're ever like, I'm never going to graduate. Like, I'm going to be here the next eight years. Like, we don't try to sugarcoat it, I don't think, in orientation for sure. But no. at, the same, at the same time, Tomaso, like, that's the message I think collectively university advising has, right? Yeah. Take it one semester at a time. Right? Absolutely. And I think that's what's cool about SOE too is that, you know, you have somebody there or people that are there to say, hey, listen, take it semester at a time. This doesn't all need to be completed yeah, at yeah. once, you know, and there are a lot of students that come in that were so on the ball in high school in terms of knocking out requirements, finishing academics like really fast, all this stuff. Yeah. It doesn't really work that way all the time. No. And that's fine. That's fine. You know, we have, we have as many, like, I think the idea of like the four year things out the window, yeah. it's like you can kind of do it at your pace. You can do what right. you want. Um, and I encourage students to do that personally, whatever works best for them. Right. So I think and I know my, la like last year on campus and stuff, it was easier because I, like I came in. Um, Eva Gorbans, who handled my schedule. Yes, yeah. She was like super easy. And then mm -hmm. this year, like a teacher had to not teach a class. So I'm only taking like 13 credits. So it makes you want to like every little hiccup that you have, the advisor is there to totally. Absolutely. Well, I was going to say the go same thing. We were just yeah. talking about this in our unit <laughs> class because we were doing our registration like appointment for everyone and we were telling them how to pick classes and everything. And I think the reason that the role of the advisor is so important is because in such a big university, sometimes you don't know where to turn. Good and loss. literally your academic advisors for literally all your four years, like it's the one person that you like know. Like right. you can turn to them That's if you have a question. Same. I kind of had an interesting, like SOE's kind of going through a lot of like movement with their wow, advisors and everything. Yeah. So I had one advisor freshman year. I had a different advisor sophomore year. And then junior year, you get transitioned to a faculty advisor. So I've had three advisors in my time of an, my undergrad. Um, I will say this. All of them have been absolutely wonderful. I just actually met my faculty advisor the first time the other day, and he's the absolute sweetest. Like, he really answered a lot of my questions. But, like, especially now that I'm going into, like, internships or I'm thinking about co-ops and taking a semester off and how that's going to affect senior design and all that. Like, it's insane. And to have someone you can literally be like, these are my eight questions that I have, and they know all of the answers. Yeah. Like, having that one resource where you can find – it's like a one-stop shop where you can, like, go and ask them anything and they know the answers for you is especially as like a freshman or something like that is just invaluable like it's y'all are making me blush thing. here like it's like this is you know, <laughs> like, we, I, I, know. I, kind of, I also like kind of adopted yeah. nick as my academic advisor my freshman year because what I is had, everyone's agenda okay I was like come on I was there's nobody's this nice I, I think i remember advisor. like like asking you questions during univ because sure. like, like nick said like i had him freshman year right. as my yeah, univ instructor yeah. and i would literally yeah. literally i would literally walk in and i would be like hey like when's mandatory advising i would ask him questions on the daily about the school of engineering because i was like i don't know what's going on yeah, so you find someone who's been there for a while like oh absolutely my um my advisor last year she was great she was been a professor forever she's a print making professor so like wasn't necessarily um knew all of the things about graphic design mm -hmm. but she yeah. she knew pretty much everything. enough yeah, so I was yeah. Just like, thank you yeah so it was great. It's fantastic. Yeah. I love advice. Yeah. 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 Oh, for sure. Yeah, this, is, this is the most Number pro advisor. Yeah, I was so appreciative. I'm going to send this one to the president and be like, hey, see, see? we're needed. We're, we're the best. <laughs> <laughs> like, not to cut myself on the back, but like. <laughs> Where's the money now? No, yeah, I'm just right. <laughs> My promotion? <laughs> work? Like... Yeah, more celebration. Yeah, right, yeah. right. Please. But I'm glad you mentioned senior design just now. Um, will you Describe to our listeners what Senior Design Project is and will you be participating in it? Absolutely. So first question, or the second question first, yes, I will be participating. Okay, cool. I um, have not enough good things to say about Senior Design. I haven't had like a huge background in it, obviously, because I haven't started taking classes or anything like that. 
basically what senior design is, is Nick touched on it as well. Um, it's a year long process, but you basically get paired with a corporate sponsor and they give you some problems that you can basically choose from and you take it and you go through the entire process. Soup to nuts, you say like, okay, like, and it's the design process that I was hitting on earlier. So you have a problem, your problem statement, brainstorm ideas on how to solve that problem, you prototype your solution, you test that solution, and then you go back to the drawing board if you need to and assuming it works and you analyze your solution that you picked. Mm. And I was talking also about practicality and hands-on application, like this is the moment. And a lot of times I've heard people who like the corporate sponsor that they pair with, there's job offer, like offers and opportunities that come out of it, yeah. um, which is so insane. Like, and I think the process is like so different from anything else. I'm not sure of any other universities that offer yeah. this kind of involvement in undergrad. And, you know, it's a very professional application as well. So like, it's less of like, oh, here's a presentation that I put together for like my, you know, you know, class that I'm taking this semester. Right. It's more like, this is literally a presentation that I would present to really a boss. Like, exactly. Yeah. So right. it's really awesome. It gets you an introduction to professionalism. It gets you an introduction to the industry. And it's like, I don't want to say it's the first, because like I said, in Engineering 1166, it's one of our most like introductory engineering courses. It's very hands-on, but this is the time where it's like, it's time to get down and dirty. Yeah. Like, this is like the moment that we've been like building up towards, especially because it's like your senior year. So it's like, you know, your final year, you're getting down to it, you're getting ready to apply for jobs, you're getting ready to look into the market. Like, it's insane and everything's so busy and it's like, it takes you like a moment to just like step back and be like, whoa, like this opportunity doesn't happen for everyone. No one really gets this. Like I said, at universities, I'm not sure anyone else offers this kind of exposure to the industry so early on. And especially for students that may not be pursuing grad school, right, I think it's, exactly, it's like, this is, you're jumping right into the deep end. Like, this is what it was about. It's pretty much the coolest thing ever. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I am so excited to do senior design. And then back to what you said, like, will I be doing it? Absolutely. Like yeah. I, it was again, one of the reasons why I chose UConn. It was such a unique experience. And I, like I said, it's not offered. Like it's, this is the coolest thing ever. Yeah. The corporate ties an awesome leg up. I think that was one of the things, again, I think coming to SOE when I, I saw it a lot in fine arts it was cool. I think a lot of students get a cool opportunity there. Um, and I'm sure it happened in CLES. It happens everywhere. It's a university. It's a research right. university, which yeah. um, is like the highest level of like sort of professionalism meets academia, meets research, all that good stuff. For sure. This is the most tailored I think I've seen it though, where it's literally built into the curriculum for undergraduates, yeah. and it's uh, it's great. You know, you get you get the Val set it on. I won't repeat it because there's so much <laughs> that goes into it, but it's uh, it's great. We partners you up, and it's it's a great opportunity. How has advising from college to college shifted, and how have you had to like sort of pivot? You mentioned German studies. Yeah, that's a great <laughs> question. Um, yeah, you need to load it with great questions here, but it's so good. So from from school or college, it's definitely the approach doesn't change with the advisor, right? Mm -hmm. um, it's a, it's more of I mean, it changes by student and not necessarily by discipline, right? Yeah. So if Val were coming in for a session and you were coming in for a session, you guys might be so similar, but you are snowflakes. I mean, it's literally like you're totally different even if you have this. I tell it all the time to students that come in, my friend did this, mm -hmm. right? My yeah. friend did, took X, Y, and Z. And he said, I didn't have to take this. this have to. It's like, listen, you know, we're taking the same classes. It's 15 credits, you know, whatever. It doesn't matter. You know, yeah. that student A doesn't know what student B took in high school. It doesn't yeah. know student B has already right. had some, You know what I mean? So it's, you cater more to the student, but you stay kind of true to your approach. So like when I say it's, you know, my approach is much more holistic in terms of wanting to know, like get to know the student, get to know what their, you know, not just their interests are or whatever, but if they're going through stuff that's exterior, that's like, you know, off campus if they're going through personal stuff, if they're COVID going through COVID-related COVID stuff, absolutely. I mean, their yeah. modality, right? Um, things that they're things that they're doing outside of the classroom to get involved, things that they're not doing, th or if they're not getting involved, things like that. Yeah. And you can kind of tell, I think, if you're if you're inquisitive enough, in a way where it's also welcoming, yeah. that 
you can do this at any school, college, discipline, whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, some, some are easier than others. So depending on where you are, as long as you stay true to sort of the method, you're going you're gonna to get the best out of your students or at least give your best attempt at helping them. Yeah. So that's that's kind of the long way of saying it. Yeah. You you've had a bunch of different advisors now. Yes, three. Nick, unofficially. <laughs> unofficial Nick. Yes, yes. Yep. the adopted advisor. <laughs> Absolutely. So now this is our signature question we ask all our guests. So okay. we're all first at some things, whether you're first person to go to college or just anything else. Yeah. What do you feel, guys, that you have been the first at, and how has that impacted your story? I'm first to kind of switch up what I wanted to do I think nice so I think like from my freshman year I didn't really think I thought just being working at a college I just didn't really know what it was so I was like I just kind of wanted to do it because I liked it so I was like why don't I go do something I like and then I was like oh okay and it's I've been able to do everything on the side we talked about like music thing like I did like the performing thing and like stand-up thing for a long time too like I got to do that because like I didn't have a job that was like it was like it was like this. Super flexibility. Yeah. Super flexibility. And like a lot of like minded individuals and a lot of people that like cultivated good ideas and creativity and things like that. So I'll Absolutely. say the, I was the first to kind of maybe go off the beaten path a little bit in my in my family, I guess. Nice. Yeah. That's a good one. I think for me, like I said, I'm of my parents' children. It's me and my younger brother. Um, and I'm the first of us to have gone to college. Um and I think that offered me such a unique opportunity to be able to help him through his journey, especially yeah. since he is at UConn. Um, in the School of Engineering, like, because we're so similar in what we were able to do, I was able to help him so much. So, like, I, we were talking about this before we started recording today, and, like, I'm able to, like, he texted me, and he was like, hey, I have this question on chem, and I was like, oh, I got you. Like, I took that class. I already did that. Yeah, literally. So, I... <laughs> Never again, I think, Yeah, right? <laughs> I was like, I took it for one semester, and I'm done. Um, no, for sure. That was, like, I, I think that offers me such a unique experience to be able to help him, and, like, he's my best friend in the whole world, so, like, being able to, like, be there for him through this transition for him... And even like being a unit mentor, like I'm, I'm obviously not the first to do it, but like again, like I was the first like, unit mentor that I've uh, like. No, I'm just kidding. Oh they're all gosh. they're all great. Heard right, it here. They're, right here first. <laughs> <laughs> they're all great. Every one of them. That's I've so had, like funny. five of them now too because of this new jobs. But I think you're great. Um, that well, was fantastic. You. Thank you. I appreciate it. No, <laughs> but I uh, like even having that opportunity. It gives me another unique opportunity to be able to help first year students go through this insanely difficult transition, especially because like they were online, like and you know they feel like freshmen. Some sophomores feel like freshmen. Like I can, I'm sure you yeah. can attest to that. I coming back to ca- campus felt like a freshman because I was like I don't remember where any of the buildings right. are. I don't like there were some buildings that I never heard of. Like the class that we have our unit class in, oh, literally had never heard of it before. I, I was like, where is this it. on campus? Yeah. It's such a weird time for everyone to be able to be like a first year, regard like whatever that regardless means. Of your exactly, year. regardless of yeah. your what your actual year is, being a first year student on campus, I'll say. But I think having that unique opportunity to be there for him and be there for my other first year students, especially having gone through COVID myself and being at UConn, helping them navigate <laughs> online, like knowing where the resources are because I was looking for them too. Yeah. Uh, I think that's my first and how it changed my story is now I get to help others. Do you um, have any other advice for? Um our college-age listeners, also, like, especially first-year students. Oh, my gosh, so be, much. Be yourself. The one thing that I won't ever plug my dissertation, but one of the <laughs> big themes that literally came out of it, which was awesome, awesome, was this one participant kept saying it. You have to be your authentic self to be successful. Yeah, absolutely. Don't worry about – I can say it now to y'all because you, you're still here, but, like, you're both – extremely driven and talented individuals and Thanks. every but no I mean you are but like also everyone else is too yeah. they in their own right yeah. a lot of you don't know it yet if, if you're listening to this I don't know it yet I'm 32 so don't freak mm-hmm. out but if you're your authentic self I think you get 
the absolute most out of not only your experience in college, but just like after and everything before. So just start being honest with yourself about stuff, like literally everything. Absolutely. Even if you can't project it or get in a way where you can yeah. rationalize whatever it is that you have a problem with, just be your authentic self. I really agree with that. Absolutely. I think over the summer, me and my friends were having this conversation like, when did you just like stop caring about what other people think? Mm-hmm. One of my friends yeah. like has deals with very bad like, oh my God, is this, it might be too much right now, blah, blah, blah. And it's like, yeah. all that brain power that you're using is brain power that's not being able to be directed. To something more productive. Right, and we're like, oh, yeah. it's like, like old people, like they don't, they don't care anything because they've already lived their whole life. Right. Yeah. Um, it's like, I was like, I'm just, why do I have to wait for that? I have to be 58 to not care about anything? Yeah, yeah like, what the hell? I've so much yeah. time. <laughs> Maybe I'll pencil that into my calendar. Yeah, right. But that's like such a good piece of advice. Thank, Thank you. you, yeah, right. yeah. So, no, on the head. Oh, gosh. Well, I was going to say something similar to that, but I think, like I was saying, I think that, like, being so grateful for the past, like, couple of years, I think it's taught me to not take myself so seriously. Like, don't don't take yourself so seriously. Give yourself that leeway. I think also putting things into perspective. I'm someone who struggles with a lot of anxiety, um, and I think especially during COVID, like, I took a lot of personal battles with that one. But, like, having my family there definitely helped, but I think I had to realize that, like, well, and also I touched on it earlier. It's okay to fail. Yeah. Failure's okay. Failure's normal. It's human. You can't expect perfection of yourself all the time. And that's coming from someone who's been a perfectionist their entire life. Like, I'm such a hypocrite for even saying that right now. But I think that's really, like, the major lesson. And I think another one that I also learned in the past year is, like, if you need help, reach out for mm-hmm. it. Like, help isn't going to find you. And you don't want it to get so bad to the point where, like, it's irreversible. You yeah, you can't. So yeah, I, like, up. I would say reach out for help when you need it. Don't let there be a stigma about mm-hmm. mental health. I think that's such an important theme. And, like, don't take yourself so seriously. Like, you can fail. It's yeah. okay. Right, because it's a lot of the, like, my sister, she's also very perfectionist. She's yeah. going into engineering. She can't trust herself that she knows she's going to do a good job. Absolutely. Yeah. And that's one thing. Yeah. you got to trust yourself. If you have a habit or pattern of being right or right. doing good or whatever, yeah. if it's your test or grades or whatever, trust yourself that be, you'll be get aware, there. Be aware mm-hmm. of it and challenge it. Yeah. Definitely. Yeah. Definitely. This was a great conversation. This yeah, is a really good way to have two people. Nice at a round table, you know, yeah. not on I Zoom. know. Yeah. I was, yeah, absolutely. Um, and thank you to our listeners for tuning in. And as always, roll skis. The My First Year Story podcast is a production of the University of Connecticut's undergraduate student body in collaboration with the Office of First Year Programs, Learning Communities, the Academic Achievement Center, and the Learning Community Innovation Zone. Our co-producers are Casey Jaycox and Hannah Peterson. Our staff advisors are Cody Ryan and Helena DeBald. For more information on our podcast, to meet our entire staff, and to listen to more episodes, visit fyp.ucon.edu backslash mfys. And follow us on Instagram and Twitter at UConnFYP.